How many of you have uh, more than one Bible at your house? Okay. Um, I know you realize this, but this uh, book, 66 books, written over a 1,500-year period by different authors, shepherds, doctors, carpenters, fishermen, is, is the inspired, infallible, authoritative Word of God that you have in your hand and in your, in your house the living Word of God. And it is powerful. In fact, you know what it says in the, in the, in the, in the Scripture? The Word of God is alive and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Dividing asunder what is soulish from spiritual, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And this book will discern the thoughts and intentions of your heart. And this, what I'm fixing to share with you, has nothing to do with my message. It's just an extra added attraction. (laughs) I did a funeral yesterday at 10 o'clock. And by the way, if you pass away, will you have it written that you want your funeral after 12? That's all I ask you. (laughs) I mean, I'm serious. But anyway, I did the funeral, a celebration service, for a 93-year-old man. And um, in 2007, he showed up one Sunday with his daughter at Luke 418 when we were over in the Davidson. And immediately, the Word of God just penetrated his heart. And from that time on, he came every Sunday that I could. Now, he, he was 93 when I, he, he passed away. But his daughter told me how that uh, he just loved the Word of God after he started coming and how the Word of God affected his life. She showed me two little notebooks he was hard of hearing, so he had to have hearing those hearing things over his ears. And, uh, and she would write down. He says, now you write down every scripture that Brother Fred write, uses. Write down every one of them. And she would as quick as she could. And then she would take them home, and he would get, get them and get his Bible and study every one of those scriptures to find out exactly what it meant in his life. He did that for almost 10 years. And God really began to transform his life. He told his daughters, he had five girls, that at one time, smoking and gambling was more important to him than eating. But after he began to read the Word of God and study the Word of God, one day he told his family, Jesus took away the smoking and the gambling. And it was all the power of the Word of God. And you know, just knowing how much the Word of God had changed his life as he read it and meditated on it, I want to tell you, God can use it to change your life. No matter what you're facing, God has an answer. And I I tell you, this book is alive. And it is powerful. And if you read it, it'll change you if you'll act on it 
and believe it. So I encourage you to be thankful that we have access to the Word of God and what it can mean in our lives. Let me pray a moment. Father, I pray now in Jesus' name that the Word of God will find a special place in every heart today and that we will be doers of the Word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. John 14, 15. I want to read three scriptures to you. And I want you to look at this. It's only about um, seven words. But I'm telling you, it is profound. These are the words of Jesus. If you love me, keep my commandments. And that could be read this way. If you love me, Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, and when you meditate on that, you say, I can so much somehow determine my love for Jesus by the way I obey him. And then there's another verse of scripture, John 14, 23. And listen to this. He who has my commandments and keeps them it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. You know, Jesus said, the person that has my word and keeps it, he loves me. And you know what? I'm going to reveal myself to him. I'm going to reveal my, I'm going to manifest myself to him. Then there's another verse. All about this matter of love and obedience. It says in, in uh, John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So Jesus was talking about the relationship of our love for him as manifested in our obedience to him. And so I just begin to explore these scriptures. And um, I want us to look today at three things. How love and obedience are inseparable. I want us to look at, first of all, the person that we are, that the, the person we obey. Now listen to what Jesus said. If you love me. So that's the person that we obey. If you love me. And then there's the, the passion of it. The passion to obey if you love. See, me is Jesus. The passion is love. And then I want to, it talks about the power to obey. And, and, and this is no coincidence. It, it, God puts every verse just the way it's supposed to be. He said, uh, I want you to write, I want you to uh, put up on the screen John 14, 16 through 18, if you'll do that. He said, uh, right after he said in verse 15, now stay with me. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then he said, but wait a minute. And I, this is the very next verse. 
I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper, another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And the next verse says, who is this comforter that comes alongside and abides with us forever? The spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. He said, you know about the Holy Spirit. But he, he dwells with you, but he will be in you. And so here's the thing. That's the power to obey. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's the person that we obey. You know, in that same 14th chapter, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus. They're tied into this whole thing. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. All right. So the person that we obey is, if you love me, he said, I'm the way. He didn't say, I'm a way. He said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth, and I am the life. You know, what does it mean when Jesus said to us, I am the way? i tell you exactly what he meant. He was saying that he is the only way that you could ever get to know the Heavenly Father and have fellowship with him and be one with him. He said, I am the way for you to have a personal relationship with my Father, God the Father. I am the way. And you know, um, the Father declared that Jesus was the way for people to get to know him. In Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, look at what it says. Jesus is the way for you to know God the Father. Jesus is the way for you to have a relationship with God the Father. Jesus is the way for you to be reconciled to God the Father. It says, and he says, now let me tell you, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name above every name. I want you to think about that. He has the name above every other name. God has highly exalted him, given him the name above every name, uh, those in heaven and those in earth, and that every knee should bow. See, he's the way. The person we obey is the way. Jesus said, I am the way. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and of those heaven and on those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, if you want to know the God that created this world, if you want to know the God who created Adam and Eve in, in, in his image and created the human race in his image, if you want to know the God that put the sun that in, in a perfect distance so it would not be too hot and put, 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 it, put it close enough that we wouldn't freeze to death, if you want to know the God that causes it always to come up in the east and settle, settled in the West. If you want, you want to know all about how fast the earth, the, the God that has the earth spinning fast enough, 
just fast enough in orbit to keep it in place. But it won't sling us off, but we still stay on it, you know, the God who has gravity. Now, now if you want to know the creator of this universe, there's only one way you'll ever know him. And that's through the way. And that's Jesus Christ. Because he said, I am the way. That's the, God, that, that's the person we obey. But secondly, Jesus said, I am the truth. He said, I am the truth. You know what, you know what the, he said about the devil? He said, as he was talking to a bunch of religious people, the Pharisees, who hated him and tried to destroy him. You know, and, you know, he, he, wasn't, uh, uh, he, he wasn't politically correct. He looked at the Pharisees. He said, you're of your father, the devil. He would get voted out that quick. I want you to know that. You're your, of your father, the devil, and the works of your father, you do, you do. He is a liar from the beginning and the father of lies, and there's no truth in him. So here he talks about the devil is a liar and the father of lies. But Jesus said, but you know, I am not only the way, I, I, <clears throat> I am the truth. Now, if you want to know the truth about God the Father, if you want to know the truth about the heart of God, if you want to know how, the truth about how God deals with his people, then you just go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and pour over that and just see Jesus intermingling with people, <clears throat> how he ministered to sinners. How he ministered to the downtrodden and the hurting. And you soon see, you know, he's the truth about God. God's not an angry God just waiting for me to mess up so he can hit me upside the head with a baseball bat. No. God loves me. He loves me. He cares when I'm going through trials and tribulations. He loves me. And that's why he sent his son to die so that I could be delivered from the sin that destroys me. So Jesus, the one that the person we obey is not only the way, he is the truth. Boy, I love this verse in John 1, 16 through 18. I want you to look at it. And of his fullness, this is the word of God about Jesus. And of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses. But grace and truth, hey, if you just get grace, it's not, you could go, you could really get messed up. But if you got grace balanced with truth, grace and truth balance each other out. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to notice. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Jesus said, nobody's ever seen my Father, but I am, him, his, I am his only begotten Son, and I dwelled in oneness with him. And he says, I'm the only begotten of the Father. I have declared God the Father to you. I remember when Philip said, have you been so long with us and you're not going to uh, show us the Father? And you know what Jesus said to Philip? He said, listen, Philip, don't you know if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, you can go ask some philosopher or, or some teacher or, 
Or, or, or you, could, you could ask many people, well, just tell me what God is like. And you'd probably get a different opinion from everybody you ask. But I want to tell you one thing. If you want to know the heart of God the Father, if you want to know who God is, what his character and attributes are, then you just go to Jesus and you study him and study his life and watch the way he responded to PA people. Because I want to tell you, when you've seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. And so no wonder he said, now, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, the person that we are to obey, if you love me, he is the, he is the way, he is the truth, but you know what else? He's the life. I love it. He said in John 10, 10, he said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Who is the person that we are to obey? If you love me, me, Jesus, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And the one we love is the way, Jesus. He's the truth, Jesus. And he's the life. So that's the person that we obey. And by the way, he is our example of obedience. Did you know that? You know, Jesus, this, I want you to get this in your heart. Jesus left, when Jesus came to earth, born in the uh, manger in Bethlehem of the Virgin Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. When Jesus came to this earth, stay with me, he laid aside his deity and took upon himself humanity. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, he was in all points made like we are. Oh, yeah. So he could experience everything that we experience except sin. And so here, here Jesus came laid aside his deity, took upon himself humanity, and lived as a man on this earth. But I want you to know, it talks about his obedience, how Jesus is our example. As a man, the son of man, he obeyed his father, it says. But though he was a son, we'll go with that verse. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience. Now, wait a minute. Jesus learned obedience. Though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Hey, the trials that Jesus went through and all those things. He learned this whole matter about obeying his father through the things that he suffered. All right. And it looks in in, um, Hebrews 5, 9. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who Obey him. Jesus is the example of our obedience. Now, so think about these words. I say, I'd ask you this question. Do you love Jesus? Do you love him? You say, you know I do, Brother Fred. Here I am on Sunday morning sitting here in this building. You know I love Jesus. Well, he said, you know, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so there's the person that we obey, but then there's the passion, the passion to obey. You know, you're not going to obey somebody you don't know. You won't obey somebody you don't know. You might listen to them, 
You may get to know them and then may obey them. But I'll tell you another thing. You're not going to obey somebody you don't love. See, if you love someone, you want to please them. And if you want to please them, then what you'll do is, is you'll obey them. And the, and the passion that we have that to obey Jesus is uh, we love him. That is our passion. You know, uh, uh, there's a verse that is kind of hard for us to get, wrap our hearts and minds around. But I want you to listen to what it says about the depth of Jesus' love for us. Now, we know the person that we obey, the way, the truth, and the life. But now we're talking about the passion with which we obey, and it's love. But listen in John 15, 9, look at this. Boy, th this, is, this is strong stuff. As the Father loved me, woo, I also have loved you and abide in my love. Now, I'll be honest with you. I know what that says, but I find that hard to grasp. I really find it hard because, see, we, we know who we are. We're so imperfect, so imperfect. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even after we were saved, are saved, there are times when we get, get our eyes off Jesus. But you know, the Bible says that Jesus, go back to that verse that you, I just, you just had up on the, uh, says, as the Father loved me, you know how much the Father loved the Son, Jesus. They existed from eternity, and they were one, are one. As the Father have loved me, I also have loved you. Jesus loves you. And me, the same way the Heavenly Father loved him. Woo. You can't put any limit on the love of the Father for the Son. But I say, oh, that's another thing, Jesus, as the Father loved you. But when you're saying you love me like the Father loved you, that is pretty, pretty big for me to grasp in my finite mind. But that is exactly what the Father says. The, the, the Bible says that as the Father loved Jesus, even so Jesus said, I love you. And then he said to abide in his love. And then we go on down and realize our obedience to Jesus and his word come from a heart full of love. In other words, we, we, we just get to know him and we get to know his love for us. And we love him. And so our heart, our obedience does not come out of the law. You must do this. You cannot do that. You can do this. You cannot do that. You better do this way and you better not do that way. There are, there are moral principles that God has given us that we're to obey. And we know what they are. But I want you to know the, compa the, the passion uh, to obey Jesus comes from our love from him, for him. And, and, and we, we obey him because we love him. We don't obey him because we have to. We obey him because there's love in our hearts and, and that we want to. You know, um, love is so much more than emotion. You know, sometimes, I, I know you're this way, sometimes I really feel so close to Jesus 
and feel such love in my heart. You know, and, and it's just a wonderful thing. But then other times, I don't have any feeling at all. Sometimes it's like heaven is silent. Sometimes it's like heaven is sealed. And then I'm still going to obey Jesus, but it's not coming out of an emotion I feel. It's coming out of the fact that he has loved me, and for years you and I have loved him. And out of that pattern of love for him, we go ahead and obey Jesus even when we don't feel one thing. You cannot let your emotions be your guide in your relationship to your obedience. You can't do that. And so what it is, he loved us, he loves us, and out of, that, out of his love for us, we love him, and because we love him, guess what we do? We obey him. You know, I love that chorus that we used to sing. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. All that he could do, he did. He laid down his life. Oh, how he loves you and me. Well, we respond to his love by loving him. And the way we love him is we obey him. You can't separate your love for Jesus and your obedience to him. You cannot do it. Because out of your love is where your obedience to Christ comes from your heart. You know, in John 14, 1 John 4, 19, it says, look at this. We love him and we obey him because he first loved us. It's his love that motivates us and fills our heart and we love him and therefore we obey him. But now here's where it gets kind of tough. And I know what he means, but I want you to think about it. The person we love is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the person we are to obey. The person we are to obey is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the passion to obey is that we love him. And because we love him, we obey him, not because we have to, but because we want to. But I want you to look at this. In Matthew 10, verse 37, how do you deal with this? He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You know, that, of course we're supposed to love our father and mother. Of course we're supposed to love our sons and our daughters. Of course we're supposed to love each other. Part of the great commandment is to love our neighbor as ourselves. He said, I'm telling you, if you love anybody, and this is strong. If you love anybody more than you love me, you're really not worthy of me. Now, I know what you're thinking. Brother Fred, I, I love Jesus, but I've never seen him. I, I've never touched him like the disciples did. I, I've never sat at his feet with him in the flesh. And I never, you know, just was part of that three-year experience of just being there but you know so Peter said over there after you, they, about the Jews that were going through a trial and they spoke about Jesus whom having not seen you love and rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory now I have never seen Jesus with my eyes you have never seen him with your eyes our spiritual eyes yes 
we've experienced his love in our hearts. But, but I've never seen him. But he says, but I've seen my, I saw my mother, saw my father. I see my sons, don't have any daughters, but you do. He said, but I want you to know, if you love father or mother, son or daughter, more than me, you're not worthy of me. I said, Lord, it's so easy to love those that I see and touch every day. But God, you know, it's, it's got to be an act of faith. It's got to be an act of faith. But I'm going to tell you something. As the Lord Jesus reveals himself to you, as you sense his presence from time to time, and, and you sense his uh, presence in your life, you, you do find that there is a love for Jesus that would cause you to lay down your life for him. You know, uh, somebody says, well, you know, Brother Fred, I, I read about all these martyrs who they, they say, if you, don't, if you deny Jesus, uh, we're going to kill you. I'm reminded of the young girl in Columbine and uh, the, they'd gotten broken in there and they uh, were demonically possessed and they were uh, looking to kill Christians. And they asked this one girl, uh, do, you, do, you do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you love Jesus Christ? And she knew if she said yes, they were going to kill her on the spot. And she said yes. You say, man, that, that's kind of hard, isn't it? Not really, because she knew how much she loved Jesus. And so you know there's the person we obey. If you love me, Jesus, you'll keep my commandments. But there's the passion that causes us to obey. If you love. And frankly, you're here this morning. I would, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, all, I'm, I'm going to give all of you the great. You're here this morning. Because you love Jesus. All of us can love him more. All of us need to love him more. We don't need for it to be said of us what was said at the church of Laodicea. I have one thing against you. You have left your first love. But I promise you, the Christian life becomes a joy and becomes a blessing when you obey Jesus because you love him. And you don't, and it's not a matter of you obeying, obeying Jesus because you have to, but you obey Jesus because you love him. And that is exactly what he's saying. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me. So the person we love is Jesus. The passion, the passion in which we love is that we love him. But boy, this is what I love about this, man. And, and uh, it's very important. You know what he did right after he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You know what he did? He talked about the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. He went right from saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and told us that he was going to give us the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's found in John 14, 16. And he says, now this, he just talked about if we loved him, we'd keep his commandments. He said, and I will pray the Father. And he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom you have not seen cannot receive because you neither see him nor know him. But you know him. He dwells with you and will be in you. This is the most important part of this message. Everything I've said is true, but I'll tell you this. 
You cannot love Jesus the way you should apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do that. It is humanly impossible to love Jesus more than father, mother, son, or daughter. It's humanly impossible to love Jesus with the same kind of love that he loves us. But it's, it's, it's divinely possible. And that's why right after he told us if we loved him, uh, that, we would, uh, that he'd give us the Holy Spirit, friend, I got good news for you. The power to love Jesus and thus obey Jesus, the power comes from the Holy Spirit and nowhere else. Now, this word of God will t- tell you all about Jesus and will talk to you about the Holy Spirit. But it's only as the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in you and imparts to you that divine love, only by the power of the Holy Spirit will you have a love for Jesus that causes you to obey him. You cannot obey him in your own power. You cannot work it up in your emotions. It has to be go way beyond your soul and has to get into your spirit. And the only way it can get into your spirit is by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the way, Galatians 5.22, what does it say? And the fruit of struggling, the fruit of striving, uh, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 is, the fruit of the Spirit is, what's the first part? Love. Oh, the fruit of the Spirit. He said, and I will pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter and he's going to give you the power to love me. And they'll obey me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love for God. Love for Jesus. The Holy Spirit produces that love in us. And I have found that the the, the more the Holy Spirit controls your life, the the more love that you have for Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I'm telling you, you cannot love Jesus the way you're supposed to love him. Unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit gives you a supernatural love for the Son of God. Now that helps me. I've never seen him. I've never touched him. But I love him. Well, how can you love somebody you've never seen or never touched? i tell you how you can. The Holy Spirit gives you the love of God. Gives you the love that the Father has for the Son. And the Holy Spirit produces in you a genuine, real love for Jesus Christ. And therefore, you obey him. Not because you have to, but because you want to. I want to mention these three things. The fruit of the Spirit's love. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to love Jesus. But you know, I really believe this, and I want you to just test it out in your spirit. If we love him, we will keep his commandments. If we love him, we will keep his words. Okay. I don't believe that uh, obedience begins, uh, I don't believe it begins with the act. I don't believe you just, well, you just obey. I believe that genuine obedience to Jesus, keeping his word, starts with the will. With the will. You see, our soul is made up of three things. Our mind, the way we think. Our emotions, the way we feel. And our will, what we choose. And so I really believe that obedience does not begin with uh, the act 
I, I do this. I think obedience begins when you, by an act of your will, an act of your will, choose to obey and not to disobey. Choose to say yes and not to say no. You know, um, I think there are three things about this matter of obedience in the will. One, I think by an act of your will, you have to make a choice. You have to choose to obey God 100% of the time. You say, are you telling me, Brother Fred, that I've got to make a choice that I am going to obey God 100% of the time? Well, nobody ever did that but Jesus, who batted 100%. But certainly you're not going to come to God and say, well, God, I want you to know by the act of my will, I choose to obey you 80% of the time. You're not going to do that. If your child came up to you and said, Daddy, I'm going to obey you 80% of the time. I don't much think you'd, you'd buy into that. Because the first time he disobeyed, and you got on him, you said, see there, you, you disobeyed. But he said, but, oh, you don't understand. I got 20%. And that's part of my 20%. And so we have to use our will with our will. We have to obey him 100%. Our choice is to obey Jesus 100%. You know, you say, well, I don't measure up. If you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. But if your goal is to be 100% obedient to him, that is a worthy goal. And you've already settled it. But there's another thing about the will and obedience. You not only choose to obey God 100%, Because you love him. But you choose to obey God whether anybody else does or not. And boy, that's where it really gets tough. Peer pressure isn't just for teenagers. Peer pressure is for 30 people working in the office. Or or, or 40 people working in a plant. You see, there is tremendous peer pressure. And, 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 And most peer pressure in this culture is ungodly. And so I'm on, what you've got to decide is and make a choice. And you don't wait till you're in the middle of the temptation. You don't wait till you're in the middle of it. You've already made a choice to obey God 100%. And then the pressure is put on you by your peers to disobey God. You say, uh-uh. I, I'm, I'm not only going to obey God 100%. I'm going to obey God whether anybody else does or not. My obedience does not depend on my wife or my husband. My obedience doesn't depend on the person, my neighbor. It doesn't depend on the person I work with. My obedience depends on my relationship with Christ. And I've chosen to obey him 100% because I love him. And I will obey him by God's power if nobody else does, whether anyone else does or not. And that will become increasingly hard in the culture that we're living in. You know what? If you choose to obey God, whether anybody else does or not, you won't fit in. Did you know that? You won't be the most popular person in your office. Because you know you, it troubles people that you don't disobey God. It troubles them that you've chosen to obey God, whether anyone else does or not. And here's the last thing. And I believe this is all a part of the Holy Spirit enabling us to love Jesus 
He gives us the power to make a choice to obey him 100%. Secondly, he gives us the power to choose to obey Jesus whether anyone else does or not. But here's the third thing. You choose to obey Jesus no matter what it costs. No matter what it costs you. No matter what it costs, you choose to obey God. And I want to tell you something. It can be very costly. Somebody wants you to come to work for them. And so they they say, but we're going to break the law. And there are ways that you can break the law when you work for people. They don't do it right. It's their responsibility as your person who employs you. But you see, uh, sometimes you have to say no to a job. You have to say no to an opportunity because it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't please God. It wouldn't cause, uh, get, it wouldn't give God the glory. Boy, this thing of you go obey God, uh, I choose to obey Jesus no matter what it costs. It can get right down where you live. You know, when I was in college, I once, uh, I don't know if it was a part of the summer, one summer, I, I only worked there about three weeks, but I got a job pumping gas at a gas station. And, um, and the man who was run that gas station was Strawbridge was his name. I hadn't forgotten him. This was back in 1958. I can't remember what happened yesterday. And this is 1950. But Strawbridge said, let me tell you what I'm doing. And it was wicked. And he said, I want you to join with me. Was I tempted? Yeah. I said, no. I'm, I, I'm not going to. What do you mean? Come on. I said, no, I'm, I can't do that. So every day he'd offer, make the offer. Finally, <laughs> after I told him no, for about three days, he came to me and said, you're fired. That's the only job I've ever been fired from. But you know why he fired me? Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't commit sin. And I'd made a decision. I was going to obey God no matter what it cost. And, and you better get to that place. Not only that you obey him 100% by God's power. And that you'll obey him whether anyone else does or not. And you'll do it no matter what it costs. Because let me tell you something. There's going to be increasing pressure to be conformed to this world. And to let it mold you into its mold. Instead of you allowing God to. I want to just leave this verse with you. If you love me, Jesus said, you will keep my commandments. What part of that do I not understand? I think it's pretty clear.